bored with The Last right. of Us. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, come on. Aren't we all? Uh, yeah. I think so. But, I mean, I see plenty of people talking about how it's, like, the greatest yeah. show ever. So, I mean. We'll see. But I'm not keeping my hopes up. By episode five, my hopes were already, like, done. Like, but then again, like, I, I'm not a fan of the game. I've never played it. I'm not a video gamer, so, you know. The game's good. So I just watched us, someone so. play it. I just, I don't even own a gaming console. Yeah, like, I don't own a gaming console, so. I always miss that. I get it. I mean, I know it's, I'm missing out because, you know, millions of people Were enjoy. you ever, like, a I gamer? I mean, no, not really. When I was in I high never school, was. When I was in high school, you know, I'd game, like, my brother and I had, you know, PS2 and 64, like, uh, the original Xbox was one I had in, like, middle school, and I remember playing games on that. Guitar Hero, when it was big, I remember Gun was a big game when that came out for Xbox originally, and my brother and I would play it all the time, like, nonstop. Um, and it was, like, those games like Red Dead Redemption and shit, and Red Dead Revolver, and, like, uh, you know. Yeah. GTA. I didn't like, do any of that. I played some Streets of Rage on the Dreamcast with my friend. Dreamcast? I was not good at I was not good at it. Yeah, I was never good at it either, which is maybe it's a, why... It, uh, is that what it's called? Dream... Dream... Something on a fucking... Sega had the Dreamcast for a Sega while. Sega Dreamcast. Yeah. yeah, I don't even fucking know. <laughs> Just remember that that's what was in my friend's basement. Yeah. And I remember playing it, like, you know, when we were in, like, college and stuff, we would play it, like, at parties or whatever, like, Mario Party or Mario Kart or something, like, drunk, yeah. you know, stoned, playing video games. But, you know, and I'll play it. Like, I don't care. It's fun. But, like, I just never, you know, it wasn't for me. I was just always yeah. into other shit that, like, you know, occupied my time and satisfied me. And so I never really got into gaming that much. My brother was a much bigger gamer. I but even the he, Sims. You know, the Sims, yeah, the PC gaming, I got into that. Like, you know, middle school, the AIM oh, years. Yeah. yeah, Sims and, like, what was that other game? Risk, right? And, uh, oh, I didn't get into that. Or, no, uh, what was that? Mist, Mist, that's what I was thinking of, Mist. No, I no, used to I play that all the time. Like, early 2000s PC, CD-ROM game. All that kind of shit. There were a lot of weird, like... PC games. Lara Croft, Tomb Raiders. That, like, I like. barely remember. But And yeah. they were, like, silly, like, kitty games. But they were so... I don't know. They just fucking mystified me. They were... Like, I just became... There was, like, this Peter Pan one that I never actually owned but had, like, a little demo for or something. Like yeah. some trial version. I remember just watching the beginning to that going, oh. Yeah, and my, I had an older sibling, so we had like a Sega Genesis before I knew what video games even were, and I would like yeah. watch my older sister play, and like <clears throat> she'd teach me how to play like the Aladdin game and like Busy oh, Town. Yeah. Busy Town had like a Sega game for a while. The little critter stories, you know, I'm talking about children's stories. Little critter. No. They had a game called like Busy Town that I was obsessed with for a while, but yeah, just not a big gamer. Whatever. Yeah, I know. never had any of that. I think we had like an N64 when those like first hit. Oh yeah. 
I mean, whatever, what were you like doing if OG, you didn't have one? Yeah. Like the OG one that had Super Mario Bros, you know. Oh, the original like, Nintendo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. Before our time. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, so maybe it was just like a Nintendo and it was like that and like Duck Hunt. And it had like that thing with the trackpad. There's mm. like some fucking gray pad that you put on the ground. This is like pre DDR. I, like I was, you know, in elementary school and I never understood what that fucking trackpad was mm. for. But I do remember really enjoying the shit out of duck hunt yeah that was like my secondary game (laughs) it's like when i wasn't playing mario i was playing duck hunt it's like back in the days when like that was like before we knew what video games would become so it was like you know at home arcade games basically like you know from like the 70s and 80s and then they kind of the mario stuff came in there and then but yeah man i i never played the last of us but yeah i am disappointed by the show particularly because I like Craig Mazin. Like I've been talking to Sophie about this. Like I think Craig Mazin is great. I, uh, I'm really surprised that the show is so boring with him at the helm of it. But yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah, I think he got yeah. He just got too sentimental with it, like and just missed what we all love about zombie shows, which is fucking zombies uh, attacking humans and killing them. <laughs> that's like the main thing dude and that's just not happening like that's just not happening in the zombie show okay yeah. yeah conspicuous absence of zombies is but we're rec- yeah i guess for listeners we're recording this on march 4th so i think there's still like what like three weeks left of that show yeah so by the time this comes out as that show will be over so we'll probably change our opinions by then or we'll solidify them we'll see Yes. <clears throat> listeners we like to hear so tell us what you think yeah, you like the last of us or you think it's missing something or it's perfect or whatever we'd like to hear yeah, I like hearing when like I like being disagreed with like and not like you know people calling names or whatever but like just serious discussion with people that like I want to know like do, yeah, do you think I mean, I'm I was wrong curious like, for what, yeah. yeah I mean I was curious for you what know? you would think as somebody who didn't play it because I have right. trouble seeing sometimes when I'm like, nope, there was supposed to be a lot of action here and it didn't happen. Then I get pissed. Or And I don't have the nostalgia factor where, like, I think a lot of people are saying it's good just because they're happy to see something they really like brought to life on screen. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is understandable. It's really but well I don't cast. have. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Because, like I said, Craig Mazin knows what he's doing. Like, he knows how to make great TV. Like, he's done it bunch of times he's made great movies he's a great writer uh it just this one missed the mark you know they can't all be good i mean he did he did your noble like he did the hangover uh, Wait, he, he did, what did he do what was that first one he wrote Chernobyl, the Chernobyl? series yeah fuck yeah that one was great that's what I mean, got him like this a this little bit job. boring for you know the last few episodes but it was still good as shit but yeah because the last few episodes it became a courtroom drama but it still yeah. worked with like the tension yeah. and the drama but like that got him an emmy and i think that's what got him to be the showrunner of the last of us as they like approached him like hbo was like hey would you want to do this and he was of course like yeah so like <clears throat> you know he's done a lot of good shit i mean the hangover people were like oh, he was a comedy writer originally in his career but 
he has a podcast. Listeners can check it out. He has a podcast with uh, John August, another very, very awarded and, and very good screenwriter. They're uh, I think it's called Script Notes, I believe. I, I listen to it every once in a while because it's interesting when they have stuff about you know screenwriting world, what's happening in the Hollywood industry, everything from the Writers Guild to you know the calls for projects and stuff. You know, fun thing for writers. They do something different than we do, but you know, if you're into screenwriting, check it out. All right, I guess that's enough preamble, dude. What, uh, you good to go? Yep. Heavy. Bored. Heavy. I am heavy, heavy, heavy. Bored. And today we're continuing with our Dickinson deep dive. And note to listeners, I know we said we were doing 200 page chunks because we're trying to do this in like, you know, three to four parts. Looks like we might go a little bit beyond that because as we move through, like listeners can go back and listen to our last episode if you haven't, uh, where we start this whole Dickinson deep dive. But this entire time for this entire episode, we are in the year 1862. We kind of just left off the year 1862 on last episode, and you could hear us getting very excited and kind of wanting it. We didn't actually ran out of time. We couldn't even talk about all the poems we wanted to. And then when Sophie and I were reading through these next 200 pages for the next chunk, she texted me. It was just like, we might have to cut this down. Like, there are too many bangers. Like, there's too much I want to cover. And like, we- Well, yeah, I mean, just in addition to, like, if we want to talk about, like, any of the, like, lesser known poems and yeah yeah well and i so we agreed basically to just cut it in half so we did 100 pages this time so not as much as we originally planned but like we have so many poems that we want to talk about and like talk about and praise dickinson and all that so that you know bear with us we added an extra part but i think our listeners won't mind they're uh they're poetry freaks so just to let you all know same book same deal you know the Johnson version, uh, same books. And then we're kind of supplementing with some of the Vendler stuff. Although I didn't really have time to, to catch up on all the Vendler stuff this week, but I will make up for that next week. Most likely. No, neither did I. I was able to yeah. scan it a little bit. It is hard though, you know, cause it is in such a different order. Cause she uses the other numbering system. Um, yeah. So like there are, some that are in this section that for her are much later. Uh, and then there are a lot that we just haven't gotten to. Like, I think maybe none of like the poems from the last third of Vendler's book are in this section. <coughs> we'll see. Uh, no, but yeah, it is weird. It's like going backwards and like, being like, what, <laughs> when was this? Yeah. And you know, this yeah. isn't a class, so no, it's, yeah, it's just us. 
yeah curious so yeah i just didn't have time with everything else going on this like i said listeners you want us to be do this more often and, and, and sign up <laughs> sign up to our, yeah we should do housekeeping right now actually before i forget uh before we get into this okay listeners like as i said we have a subscription plan if you enjoy what you're hearing and you want to hear more, please sign up to support us at patreon.com slash heavyboard. Gives you full access to uncensored episodes and bonuses and all the other goodies for subscribers only. Uh, if you don't want to do that, can't afford that, you can support us in other ways. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. That helps us out, helps us grow. Just click that little five-star button and you're good. Uh, you can also support us by subscribing to our YouTube channels. We have a YouTube channel where we release all of our free episodes, as well as a clips channel if you don't have time to listen to the entire episode. Give those a subscribe. That helps us out. It's a free way to support us. We appreciate it. We love our listeners. And as a reminder, obvious, uh, again, as a reminder, we're still looking for workshop horror stories. If you or someone you know had a terrible experience in a workshop, we want to hear about it. Please send that in. Uh, to heavyboardpodcast at gmail.com in, in excruciating detail and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully give you a little relief, a little solace relieve that tension because we can joke about it and know that you're not alone send those in, heavyboardpodcast at gmail.com uh, that's housekeeping, although I think that I'm probably going to paywall this episode so you know we'll see so anything goes. So. <laughs> nice. Just say whatever we want, you know. Farts. Farts. Uh, where do you want to start with this? Um, where do you, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to go back at all, or do you just want to start from page 200? Well, we almost, I know we, we didn't give as much time to the last couple we covered as we wanted to, but we we kind of hit it, so it would really only be one or two more poems from last week's uh, grouping. But as I said to listeners already, we're still in the kind of circa 1862 packet, so all of the poems that we're covering today from kind of page 200 to page 300 in this edition that we have of Dickinson's Complete Works, uh, they're all from 1862. So we're in the banger year. As I said in that first episode, I think this is the this is the packet in 1862 that was at least dated 1862. It had, you know, 366 poems sewn together in that little packet they found in Dickinson's drawer after her death. And we're right in the middle of it in this. And even at page 300, we're still in 1862. I actually am going to take a look real quick just to see when we start to get to 1863 and it looks like there's almost another 40 pages or so of 1862 poems before we move into 1863 so yeah we're in literally her most productive year right now which is exciting and i mean again we've said this before but like a thrill to witness reading this with sophie and and you guys out there listening at home it's a thrill to see all of this but as we said, there's so many bangers <clears throat> in these next hundred pages in this last latter half of, of the 1862 poems that we were worried we wouldn't even have enough time to fit it into like a two, three hour episode. So <clears throat> we'll see how it goes. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, when does this period end? Like, I'm trying to see, like, on what page? Uh, it was, like, page 340. 360. 330, 331 is when it officially switches to uh, 1863. And that's around yeah. poem 665. Damn. So we're, I just mean, I just wanted to, like, point out that, like, we're in, like, a very productive time frame and prime of Dickinson's kind of writing. And you'll hear us get into, like, the richness, the things we really enjoy as, as she matured as a writer. And again, 1862 is the year she started sending stuff out to editors and things like that. But yeah, what did you mark as we moved through here? I right away I was 424, 426. Page 202 and 203 for me. Um I think I marked one right on page 200, but I'm just checking something. What are you checking? The year of her birth. She was born in 1830. So in 1862, she's 32. So, yeah, she's, like, our age <laughs> during this most productive year. And uh, just out of curiosity. Becoming, and, you know, why is that? You know, why do a lot of writers, even a lot of writers, don't get published till after they're 40 and stuff? Why is that, you know? Well, because you need that experience. You need that maturity. And while she probably dabbled in poetry before all this and all of that, like we had the very first poems were estimated to be dated around 1850, right? So she was maybe... 20 when she started doing this you know a teenager right out of high school or what they would equivalent to high school at that time with a private tutor or something and it's like so of course she's just starting she's read all the greats she's getting interested in it and then you know 1862 12 years later of her trying to do this 12 years of work and we see it come to fruition with that maturity at the age of 32 oh yeah and again there are still like other bangers in those in that first um batch of poems that we looked at yeah. so you know even early on she was very skilled or at least very original you said you marked one right away on page 200 what number uh, 419, 419. grow accustomed to the dark Yeah. this is one of the ones where I feel like she's a little less restrained it's still restrained but I feel like as we go on, we increasingly um, sort of lose things. Not in a bad way, I just mean um, everything sort of gets tighter and more compressed. Yeah. <clears throat> it's what I did for 424 and 426. They're both shorter poems, but it's like where we're seeing everything work perfectly the slant rhymes the end rhymes the dashes there is a point in here where i think she gets a little overboard with the dashes we'll get to that but um you know like we said before on last episode this is a complete work so this is the good and the bad the practice poems and the bangers you know uh they can't all be masterpieces but there's a lot of them for somebody who wrote 366 poems this year in 1862 what about for uh, 419? Or did we already say it? Um, no, it was just like...
Heavy. Bored. Heavy. I am heavy, heavy, heavy. Bored. If you're hearing this, you're listening to the free version of Heavy Bored. If you'd like to hear the full episode, become one of our subscribers at patreon.com slash heavyboard. For less than one cup of coffee per month, you will receive full access to uncensored episodes, jerk shop, special dispatches, bonus interviews, and more. Come join the conversation today at patreon.com slash heavyboard. Sweats and the day sweats, pal. Pal, I do.